I am Emily Lyons. In 2009, without a high school degree and no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. But since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be lifted and shifted by these people too. After all, all inspiring people are inspired people. So get ready to be inspired. This is Mind Your Business. All right. I'm so happy to have you on today, Danielle. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm really excited to be here. Now, for those that don't know about you, let's start off with just giving them an introduction. Who are you? What do you do? What are you all about? What's your story? Yeah, thank you. So my name is Danielle. I am the founder of Business Babes Collective, which is a global community for female entrepreneurs. And it started seven and a half years ago, almost eight years ago now. And it started really kind of by accident in some ways, because I was looking for a community of entrepreneurs, like-minded entrepreneurs that I could personally connect with. And I didn't find anything that I was kind of looking for. And so for me, I would go to these networking events and I felt like I was kind of out of place. Like I felt like I was, you know, one of the only women in the room and one of the youngest in the room. And so for me, I thought, you know, I would love to have a place where I could go and connect with like-minded women who are also entrepreneurial, where we could connect and collaborate and, you know, ask each other questions. So that's kind of how it started. I started my first little pop-up event back in 2014. And I think there was like 10 people there or something like that. And then it sort of snowballed from there. So people that attended said like, okay, well, when's your next one? Like, when can we expect another event? And so it just sort of naturally progressed from there. I love that. Now, I had the pleasure of speaking at one of your events a couple of years ago, and yeah. it was so well done. It was so well put together, so well planned. Everything was just spot on. Like the attention to detail was phenomenal. Well, I have to say, Lauren, who's our chapter leader in Toronto, she is amazing with that. So, you know, I think it's like really finding good people to work with. Um, <laughs> you know, she's incredible. And, you know, obviously got the opportunity to be there in person in Toronto. That's kind of another side of the story. We launched in different chapters. So three years into the business, we launched in five different chapters across North America, hosting events. So Lauren's one of our chapter leaders. And um, so she was like the brains behind how everything was planned. Yeah, we loved having you as a speaker. That was so much fun. And you had so much value to share. So thank you for being a part of it. Oh, I have really improved my public speaking. I was so terrible. I just was no, the most nervous person. So I would avoid so many events speaking at them because I just hated it. But luckily I've forced myself to do it so many times now that it finally gotten easier. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, definitely I feel like we're hardest on ourselves. So I thought you were amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. So now live events, COVID. Yeah. Yes. How did that that go? Yeah. So that was really a crazy, crazy time, obviously for everybody. When we found out, yeah, we were trying to figure out, okay, so I guess we're putting, you know, events on pause for a little while. And of course that ended up being two and a half years. And so I felt like for like probably about nine to 10 months, we were just kind of trying a lot of different things. Like it was like, how do we continue to bring value to our community? How do we help this community that we've built and also still be able to 
run the business that we're running here. And so it was like a really hard balance between those two things. And we actually ended up doing a virtual conference at the end of August of 2020. It was a successful event. But after that event, I hit a really bad burnout. (laughs) And so that was just a really good wake up call. You know, okay, Danielle, you cannot keep doing things the way that you've been doing them. A month after that, I found out I was pregnant. And that season, I'm not going to lie, that season was one of the hardest seasons, I think, ever for me because I just wasn't sure like the direction of where I wanted to go. Some people might be able to relate to this, but I was feeling very, very nauseous in my first few months of pregnancy. And so I didn't feel like myself. And I also had had this kind of thought of like, wow, I feel like the business is a failure. I feel like I'm a failure. I'm this person who hosts these events and, you know, we have all these chapters and we're not even able to do what we do best. And of course we had pivoted things online, but it wasn't sustainable at that point. Like it was just very up and down. And so that moment I was thinking, okay, I need to figure out what's next. I need to figure out like, what is my business going to look like long-term? And now I have a baby on the way. So I need to figure out what does that look like bringing a human into this world and taking care of her and all Mm -hmm. the things. And yeah, that was kind of a turning point for me. And so find your way out of it. (laughs) For me, my faith is really important to me. So that was a huge thing. Just getting like really clear on like, okay, my identity is not rooted in what I can do. Because I think we always just think like our identity is in who we are, our work, right? We put so much identity in our work and what we can produce. And so just realizing like I have value just because I am a human, (laughs) And I've been created with specific strengths and things that I can bring to this world. And so I think that was kind of figuring out, okay, what are my strengths and how can I still serve my community, but in a different way? And so that was actually the moment when I decided to actually launch my podcast. I had thought about doing one for a very long time. So I decided to launch it. And I also decided we had this in-person program that we were running. And so I decided, okay, now's the time. We're going to put that online and we're going to just run this business as an online business until obviously we can potentially do events again. But regardless, we're just going to do what we can right now. And again, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It wasn't like, you know, I decided that one day and then it was like so easy. And I just, you know, launched my online course and launched my podcast and everything was like so amazing. But it was definitely like, okay, now I have a new vision for what this business can look like. Mm -hmm. And I was excited about it again. I think that was the biggest thing for me. And then I realized like, wow, you know, if I can really create this business around really flexible schedule, then when my daughter arrives, I can be able to spend a lot of time with her. And so that was kind of a big motivator for me as well. And so for the next few months, it was launching our course online, really focusing on doing the podcast. And we also have our mastermind groups as well. And so, yeah. And then the beauty of that is that when my daughter arrived, I was able to take like six weeks almost completely oh, off of the business and then gradually kind of got back into working, you know, five hours and 10 hours and 15 hours. And now I'm at about probably 20 hours a week. But I mean, that was going from, you know, before COVID, I would work probably like 50, 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. Right. So mm-hmm. I think I needed that kind of wake up call, if that makes sense, to be able to switch and pivot the way that I was doing things. I loved that about COVID that it just all of a sudden forced me to stop working. And like you said, how we have that value 
we put the value in what we do like of ourselves. And I had never realized it so much until COVID hit of that was who my identity was. That was why I became an entrepreneur because I didn't feel like I had any value. I felt like a failure. And so I was trying to create myself essentially. And so it was really great in that sense. And just having that time to think and look back on everything and what we were building and what we were doing and why we were doing it. Yeah. And I think too, it just gives you, you know, we don't give ourselves the time to really figure out like, is what we're doing, what we want to be doing yeah. long-term and like, is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. And what I realized was, no, it's not sustainable. And it wasn't sustainable for me. And, you know, I had so much fun that the years that we were really building and growing and scaling, but I also realized, you know, I didn't really have any systems in place. I didn't really have, you know, the proper foundations for my business. I tried to do everything myself instead of, you know, delegating things to other people. And I didn't really have any boundaries either. And so, you know, I'd say yes to everything. And so... That was kind of, I think, a big thing. And obviously, I mean, it helps having started a family. And so it's like, now I have to have those boundaries. Like there's just, I don't have a choice. But COVID, you know, having everything kind of shut down for me really allowed me to like reevaluate where do I want my business to go? What opportunities do I want to say yes to? What do I want to say no to? And then it really, I feel like set me up really well for, yeah, now having a daughter and only being able to work about 15 to 20 hours a week. Because if I was doing things the way I was doing them before, there's no way I would be able to have the flexibility that I do now. I love that. That's a great story. (laughs) I find that the best growth often comes through when we've got these big obstacles or these big failures and we're forced to change things up. And quite often it comes out better than it was before. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've got this incredible community. This is something that I get asked a lot is how do I build a community? Because we all know that that is the target for whatever business or brand you're in is having a community around what you're doing. Yeah. Not only can you, of course, monetize it, but you can make a real impact and you've got people around for the long term. but it's hard. It's hard to build a community. How have you been able to succeed doing this? Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that like community is relationships, right? And so I think like when we think about building a community, a lot of people think about that as far as like, how do I build my social media presence? Or how do I get more, you know, subscribers to my email list? Or how do I have more people attend my event? All of that. And I think for me, I'm always really focused. I really love people and just naturally love getting to know people. And so I think for me, it was creating a space where everyone felt welcome and that everyone felt like really important too, right? Mm. So whether that be in person at the events that we hosted or whether that be online, it's like, how can we make everyone feel welcome? How can we make everyone feel like they belong there? And what are like their pain points? What are their frustrations? What are their anxieties? All of that. And how can we actually speak to those in a way that, makes sense to them and makes them feel heard and seen. Because I think people often think that they have to have all the answers for their community, if that makes sense. But I don't think that's true. I think that actually people just want to know that they're not alone in the struggles that they have. And so that's why for me, sharing on the podcast or in-person events, sharing like my struggles and the ways that I've failed and the ways that I've embarrassed myself or whatever that looks like. (laughs) And then people are like, oh, okay, like she's just like me. And that makes them feel safe 
that's one of the things. I mean, obviously there's more like strategic things that we could talk about as far as like partnerships and collaborations. And I'm so passionate about that because that's really how we built our community was through those partnerships, through those collaborations. But I think before you even get to that, you need to really have this like mindset of that you want to serve people and how can you actually create a space where people feel heard and seen and and all those things. That's beautiful. Well said. That is something that I noticed as well is that you guys do really, really well with collaborations and with partnerships because at your events, there were so many different people there contributing and sponsors and all of that. And that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. When I hosted my first few events, we started really small, right? Like I said, we had about 10 people at our first one. But even from the beginning, the only way that I was kind of able to make that event happen because I didn't have any money to get started. Like I wasn't really... Like, oh, I'm going to like invest all this money to get this community going. I just started it and I had just had like side businesses before I had worked for my mom's business. So it's not like I had this really successful business going into it. So I was like, okay, how can I connect with other like-minded entrepreneurs, women, people like me who also want to connect with other people? And how can I bring value to them for a venue, for example, if I can say to them, Hey, I would love to bring a group of women entrepreneurs to your space. We'll network. I'm going to take some photos, even though, you know, I'm not a photographer, but like I'll take some like behind the scenes photos and all of those things. And, you know, we'll post it on social media and everything like that. And we'll give you some promotion through that. You know, I was honest with them. Like, we're just getting started. This is something that, you know, I would love to do more of these, but this is something we're just trying out. And they were like, yeah, okay, host your event here. So then I also connected with a caterer and said, hey, would you be willing to provide just some snacks for this event? And in exchange, you can talk about your business and your catering company at the event. And She's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, same thing with the wine that was sponsored and like all those things. And so just bringing value. I think whenever you want to do like a partnership or collaboration, it has to be mutually beneficial for everyone. And so I think a lot of people start when they're like, oh, I want to get this huge paid sponsor for this event or this thing. And I would just encourage you like start small so that you can kind of prove that there is value there, right? And so what can you offer in exchange for like an in-kind donation or sponsorship. And that is really where we started and really how we still work. And obviously now, you know, we have paid sponsors and paid vendors and all of those kind of things at our events. And obviously this is just talking events. So I'll get to the kind of online stuff in a minute. But yeah, how can you bring value? Even if you think like, I don't know, like we're just getting started. That's okay. Like what value do you have? Mm-hmm. And so really just getting creative, I think is the, my biggest suggestion, because if you are bringing a group of people together, let's say for an event, that is valuable, right? Because that brand or that business can get in front of those people. So that's what I would say. That's where I would start. And then you can start to build in the paid sponsorships, paid vendors, all of those things. For online, it's the same thing. Like what value do you have to offer? And how can you provide that value? And then what are you asking for in return? So, you know, I love collaborations that are like, you know, podcasting is collaborating. Being a guest on someone's blog is collaborating. Being a guest speaker is collaborating. There's so many different ways on social media. There's so many different ways on social media that you can collaborate. You know, you see people going on each other's live and doing collaboration reels. There's just endless opportunities, really. So it's figuring out, okay, how do you want to collaborate with other business owners? Who is aligned as a business to your business? And then how can you provide value to them as a person or their community? And then of course, 
It's just being brave and asking. (laughs) (laughs) If you never ask, you can't ever get a yes. Exactly. So when you're getting started, were you finding these people's emails? Were you tracking them down on LinkedIn? Yeah, it's such a great question. So when I first got started, this was back in 2014. And so for me, I knew that that Instagram was going to be my platform of how I was going to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And so I had started this small account. I kind of cringe when I think back to it because I had this like random logo that was <laughs> by, by my husband. He was my boyfriend at that time. And it was just super cringy. But anyways... So I had this small little Instagram account and I can't even remember what it was called back then. It wasn't the same, but I started just like connecting with people, following people. And I would just like send them a DM and say like, Hey, super excited to connect. And then I would kind of wait until they connect back or like if they would respond. And then I would, if they asked any questions like, Oh, what is this account? Or, you know, tell me more. And then I would tell them a little bit more. And often some of those relationships and collaborations kind of came more naturally, but then some of them were very strategic. So for me, I'm like, I love research. <laughs> and so for me, I have like a spreadsheet of businesses and people that I would love to connect with or love to collaborate with one day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, how can I build that initial connection? How can I build that initial relationship? How can I support them first? So whether that be engaging with their content or if they have some sort of a platform where they're on, can I listen to their podcast? Can I watch their YouTube videos? Can I subscribe to their email list? And how can I actually engage with them first? And then from there, you know, sending an email that is very specific, but also very personal. So I don't know about you, Emily, but I get a lot of pitches, random pitches from people (laughs) that are very, very general that it makes me kind of sad because it's like, you know, you could have done just a little bit more research. You could have made me feel special in some way told me that instead of just pitching to be on my podcast, say that you listened and that you really enjoyed it, right? Whatever that might be. But it just feels very like a lot of the pitches that I receive feel very cold and feel like it's all about them. And so that's what I would suggest is like, don't make it about you. Make it about the person that you're pitching. And how can you bring them value? How can you bring their community value? So yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, I've pitched so many different ways. I've pitched through DMs before, but that's like very specifically if I already kind of have a connection there. But I would say probably email is ideal for if you're pitching someone to actually find their email and craft a a really great email. (laughs) You know, not just for collaborations, but across the board. When you want to do a sales or like when you want to sell something in general, is that's the great strategy. You know, that's what I teach my team is provide them value, follow them, have them take notice of you, take notice of the support and then reach out to them and lead with, of course, that value, not what can they do for you. And in our world, because it's so fast paced, we make it all about us, you know, on LinkedIn, every day I log in and it's a sales message from somebody who I don't know. And it's buy my product or meet with me or it's me, 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 me all the time. And I automatically remove those connections. And I know that might sound kind of mean, but it's like, I don't know you. And you're just hitting me up with what I can do for you. Take time, you know, send a message. And even when I reach out to somebody, that's exactly what I do. I reach out to them. Thanks for connecting. How can I help you? Or I share their content, all of those things. And then I might meet with them and have lunch with them or a coffee, get to know what their pain points are before I even think about pitching them. But, you know, for things like the podcast pitch, 
I love that strategy. I love the giving the support because you do notice, you know, you notice when you get a five-star review from somebody, you see their name pop up, you see them on social media. Most people manage their own Instagram account. So when you're getting shared constantly from one person and you're getting that social media support, you'll take notice. And then when you customize that unique email, it is such a game changer, you know, and the same thing, I get those copy and paste email of why they should feature you, why you should feature me, why I should be on your podcast, me, 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 me. And it's the same thing, you know, if I'm writing an article for Forbes or something, and I get pitched from all these entrepreneurs, and it's quite often the exact same thing. All about them, not about the value, but the best pitches that I actually take notice of are the same things of they've done their research, they've read past articles I've written, and here's how they can provide value to me and my audience. So here's some potential article ideas. And those are the ones that I respond to and take notice. So that's a really great strategy all across the board for everybody to be mastering. Yeah. And if you think about it, like it's kind of what we talked about at the beginning, people don't really care how much you know. (laughs) Like it sounds kind of funny to say, but it's true. And the accolades, it's like, okay, you know, that gives you social proof for sure. Absolutely. However, if you are just sharing all about you and, you know, me, 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 and like you said, there's no research that's gone into it. And that person that's on the other end, like, they're human too. And so they want to feel valued. They want to feel like you actually appreciate what they do because the person usually that you're pitching has spent years and years and years and years, sometimes decades building their own community. And so if they're going to open up the door and let you in front of their community, then they want to know that you actually care about their community, right? So I think it's so important to realize like really is all about how can you provide value to that person, to their community, and how can you kind of connect with them on a human to human level? What I love too, is that if you want to pitch someone and you know, you, let's say you follow them on social media or you listen to their podcast or read their blog, and there's something personal that you really connect with, right? Share that first, because that is going to be the thing that really stands out to them. Because yes, that person is a business owner and all that. But if there's something personal that you related to, let's say they shared something vulnerable, or maybe they love, let's say running or something, and you're super into running, like something personal that you can connect on. And you can have that sort of point that connects you personally is going to be so incredibly powerful. So that's another tip for you is that, you know, research them, follow them on social media, make sure that you understand their personality. And the other thing is, A lot of people really try to kind of pitch as many people as possible. For me, I always say, make sure that the person that you want to pitch and connect with, make sure you actually share values and make sure it would be a good collaboration if it happened. Because if you are in the same industry, but maybe you have a very different value system when it comes to business or when it comes to relationships or whatever that is, then that's going to be a weird collaboration. Does that make sense? So even if they have millions of followers, you getting in front of that audience isn't really going to be beneficial because their audience isn't actually going to get value from what you're saying. Totally. And I did a post on this on LinkedIn, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago about, you know, maybe not even, maybe it was just a year ago about the mass messaging and the mass sales. And somebody responded saying, well, I have to send a ton of messages and I have to copy and paste because I have to send a lot because I rarely get a reply. And I was like, yeah, the exact point. (laughs) If you send a thousand and you only get one reply versus you send 10 really thoughtful ones that are your target audience and you get five, 
well, that's a lot better. Exactly. You know, people are thinking about it so wrong a lot of the times. Like you said, that quality over the quantity. Not every good client is a good client and not every good collaboration is a good one. And I don't at the beginning when I was building on social media, I was just, I thought that I needed to get a big audience. And so I was trying in the wrong ways. And I was getting an audience that wasn't my target audience. It was mainly men that were just there to check out women because I shared different right. posts from different events we had done and things like that. And I was like, why am I building this audience? And so I had right. to consciously go back and be like, I want to build one of women, of entrepreneurs, of people that I can serve and help and give value to, you know, what is the point of this? Yeah. You get so caught up in these numbers instead of absolutely going back and at the meaning of it is. Yeah. And I think too, like, because we always hear, oh, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. That is true in some senses, but you have to have actually a really good strategy first. And then after that, it's a numbers game. Because like you said, if you're just copying and pasting, and I think too, nowadays, people just don't have any patience for it. <laughs> like you said, like, you know, you're deleting messages or removing people because you're like, I just don't have time for this. Like I just done with it. Right. And the biggest thing that I think is so funny is my name is in my email and people still don't use my first name in emails. I'm like, it literally would take you two seconds, like two seconds to say, hi, Danielle. It's funny how I think the personal, because we've gone so online and virtual and everything is like, people expect results so quickly that I think people are looking for shortcuts. And I actually talked about this on a podcast episode that I recently did of looking for shortcuts is actually sabotaging your success because you're always looking for like the quick and easy way to get to where you want to go and you're trying to cut corners, but that's not how you build a successful, sustainable business, right? So yeah, I just wanted to kind of add that into. Oh, because we're so oversaturated with ads and sales emails and this in our face, this, 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 buy this. People's distrust is at an all-time high. You know, yeah. we, don't, we don't trust what we see because we are lied to all the time. We constantly have to use that lens of, is this authentic? Is this real? And so we have to remember that when we're pitching somebody or reaching out to somebody, especially when we don't know them, they're going to be like, who is this person and what are they looking for? How do you stand out and how do you get a result is by quite often being authentic. And like you said, taking that really important time to do that work, do that research on them and by being unique. You know, I love when I open an email or I see a status that just stands out that's different and it catches yeah. my attention. Absolutely. Funny too. You know, I had some yeah. the other day and it was just this ridiculous joke he had said and it made me laugh out loud. And so I I responded to him. He was a copywriter and normally I would never respond to those, but it was so funny. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, people are just so, they're wanting to follow a system, right? Which mm -hmm. there is something to that. And I understand that. And there's, you know, ways that people that have become successful and things that they're teaching. And I totally understand that. However, you need to always check it with yourself because if it doesn't align with you and if it doesn't align with your brand, then there's no use doing that. And so I think it's really important to understand and know what your values are and what your brand is, right? Because like you said, like things that are funny or things that are, and that's going to attract your ideal clients. There's going to be people that their brand is kind of more serious or polish or whatever it is. And then there's going to be brands where they're doing reels that kind of like make you laugh, right? Like you said. And so it's really understanding, well, what is my brand and how do I want to show up? 
online and even just with conversations with people? And is what I'm trying to follow, what I see maybe other people doing that I'm trying to replicate, does that actually fit like with my business and my brand? Because if it doesn't, like you can do the exact same thing as someone else, but not be successful because it doesn't actually align with you. And so I think take the advice from other people for sure, but make it your own. And like you said, be unique because that's when you're going to really stand out. And that's when it's going to feel most aligned for you as well. And it's sort of too with social media and how I talk to people about growing over there is very similar as well. And one of the big things is a lot of people do when they join social media and they want to grow, they make it all about them and they put yeah. themselves on that pedestal and why people should follow them and look up to them. But if you look at the great influencers out there, like Kayla Itzines, the, the fitness instructor, or even the Birds Papaya, who was the host at your event, you know, they make it all about their community and they put their community on the pedestal and they make it all about giving them value and what they can do for them. And as a result, they grow as that byproduct and they become successful. Yeah, absolutely. And caring about your community. I mean, it seems kind of simple, but really like that's, I think what a lot of people are missing and responding in a way. Like I think also when you have a platform, you're trying to build like a community or trying to build a platform, being vulnerable is so, so important. I know we talked about this a little bit as well, but just sharing your own failures, your own flaws, your own mistakes, or even things that you're struggling with in that moment too. And I've really kind of tried to open up a little bit more too with my podcast. Cause I think, I don't know, a lot of us, I think entrepreneurs, we're like perfectionists, like recovering perfectionists at heart where oh. we're like, Oh, this needs to be perfect. And then you realize actually people don't want perfect. They really don't. They want authentic and they want something that they can relate to. And so I've really tried to ask myself, like, what is my community struggling with? What is my community need right now? And how can I share either maybe something I'm going through currently or something that I've gone through in the past where they can feel like, oh, okay, I understand them because that's what like really creates those deep connections. And that trust is built too, right? Because if you are just trying to be perfect and pretend that everything's perfect in your life and in your business, then no one's going to feel like they can relate to you. It's so hard on social media. It's so hard. I suffer with that feeling like I have to be picture perfect and have the filters and all of that. It made me so self-conscious now in real life, but mm -hmm. it's totally true. Whenever I do share those parts of my stories, which I've pushed myself to do because I know those are the ones that really help people. That is when people really resonate the most and they share it. And I get all those messages of how it helped them. You know, and I talk about my failures and the times I fell flat on my face and how I survived them, how I came out of them. Yeah, because we can't all relate to success, but we can all relate to struggle because we've all struggled in some capacity. And the majority of us are going through at least something right now. And so when we show up on social media, serving them. And I always ask myself when I'm posting something, what is this doing for my audience or my potential audience? Mm -hmm. Am I going to inspire them today through my story? Am I going to try to motivate them? Am I going to just try to make them laugh? Or am I going to teach them something? What value am I going to provide them through my lived experiences? And that's yes. when it's the best. But I know back in the day when I would just post, you know, a picture perfect selfie, which was just highly edited. It's like, okay, that's yeah. great. But what does that do for anybody? I totally, mean, maybe, maybe totally. it makes you feel good. And that's great too. Sometimes you got to do that. But at the end of the day, we should be going on social media with that idea of how am I going to serve my community and other people? Yeah. And I feel like too, if you probably look back and I was even trying to think about this from my own community too, but if you look back, I bet you that the ones like the posts that you've been the most 
vulnerable and the posts that you've shared your failures rather than your successes are probably the highest engagement. And so that's, I think what a lot of people don't recognize is they're like, but I have to share like, and I share your wins. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And that's, I'm not saying don't share your wins because I think people need to see the wins and the failures in tandem, if that makes sense. So because people need to know that in order to have those wins, you have to have those failures. And so, you know, a lot of times when I'm sharing on social media, even if I am sharing like a big win, I'll also share like what the struggle has been to get there, if that makes sense. So sharing like, hey, this is a win that I've had, but also like when my first event, for example, like hosting an event and having over 200 people there, but my first event, we had 10 people, <laughs> you know? That is and so, so important. It's yeah. Because people just see that on product. No. They yeah. see you and they see these really incredible events with this huge community. And they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. But they don't realize you started at zero and you started with 10 people at your first event, but you kept going. And I have this conversation a lot with entrepreneurs because they'll say like, well, that's easy for you. You have a lot of followers on social media. It's like, yeah, but I started with none. Exactly. That got zero like. The difference is, is that you just kept going. You learned from your first event. You took those learnings, you implemented them, and then you kept going. But quite often enough, we don't share those failures or where we started from. And so people get discouraged. And that is so important. And I wish more people talked about this and talked about how they started and what they did and what they learned from it. I have this conversation a lot with people. I have a community called The Lion's Den. It's all young entrepreneurs, people that are getting, not young, but new entrepreneurs. And that's one of the big things is they get discouraged because they see all these people and how successful they are, but they don't realize what they've gone through because we don't all share that. We don't share the struggles and those things that we went through. But so many of us started from the very bottom. Yeah. Who are those Kardashians? <laughs> exactly. And also just like there's struggles along the way. Like, you know, obviously for us, I mean, it's an obvious one, but when we were kind of like before COVID hit, I felt like we were kind of at that moment in business. If anyone has ever experienced this, where you feel like the momentum is just like, everything's kind of falling into place. We were getting reached out to by all these different brands to want to work with us. Our events were selling out. Like we were kind of at the peak of like, okay, we've worked really, really hard for the last, at that time, it was like five and a half years for this. And now everything's coming together. And then COVID hit. (laughs) And then literally 80% of our revenue was gone overnight. And we had to kind of start from scratch. Like people don't realize like there's so many different evolutions that you have to go through as an entrepreneur. And sometimes things that work then don't work now and you have to learn and you have to grow. And sometimes you realize that the way you're doing business isn't what you want to do long-term and you have to pivot and you have to change and it's hard. And there's going to be moments where you're crying and saying like, I don't even know if I'm cut out for this because I've definitely had those moments. And so people don't realize like even along the way, there's really, really hard moments that people have. And, you know, when I was in those moments, I was not at the point that I was ready to share that because I was just feeling really down. And so from the outside perspective, people were probably like, oh, wow, they've pivoted and they're now launching a podcast and they're launching this course. But little did they know at that very moment, I was feeling so much imposter syndrome. I didn't really know what my identity was in that moment. I was scared that we weren't going to be able to actually make this profitable again. Like there were so many fears and anxieties that I had around what we were doing because it hadn't been proven yet. And I was just basically like hoping that it worked. And so now I can share that because I'm kind of like, we've come through that. But, you know, I think that's really important to realize someone could look like they have everything together 
but really you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. for them. We just see the highlight reel quite often on social media. We see the good stuff, not the bad stuff, not what's actually going on behind closed doors. And I know that too. You post a reel or you post a selfie that day that's months old, weeks old, and you've just got done having a big cry. But the most successful people still struggle. We all have struggle. We just don't give up. And that's the most important thing. That's the difference between those that are still successful and those that aren't is they just didn't give up, but they've Mm -hmm. pivoted. They've changed what they're doing, but they just didn't stop. Yeah. And having the mindset of, I'm going to pursue this and I'm really going to give it my all, even if it feels scary. And even if it feels like you don't know what the outcome is going to be because nothing's guaranteed in life or in business. Right. And so it's just having almost that faith of like, okay, if I just really keep consistent. And and I think too, the biggest thing that I've struggled with and something that I'm really trying to like hone in on now is staying on track of what my goals are and not getting distracted with every single shiny object that comes my way. <laughs> I don't know if you have that, Emily, but for totally. me, like, like at the beginning of the year or, you know, I'll, I'll have a day where I'm like visioning, what do I want my business to look like? Okay, this is it. And I'm only focusing on this and this is my strategy, all of this stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. And I'm like, yes, for the next couple months, I'm doing my thing. And then I'm like, oh, this looks fun. Or like, hey, maybe I could start a side business doing this too. And, you oh. know, oh, I could make some affiliate income doing this. And so it's really... I mean, in the world that we live in, we have so many options, which is so amazing and so fun and so exciting. But it's also really hard because we have to figure out what is for us and what isn't for us. And maybe what's for us, but not right now, maybe a year from now or three years from now or five years from now. You know, I would love to write a book one day, but I know that that's not what (laughs) the season of my life right now with a toddler is really a realistic thing that I'm going to do. And that's okay because I don't have to do everything right now. I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to do all the different things, be multi-passionate and follow totally. all the different things. But yeah, you stretch yourself thin. I know yeah. that I stretch myself way too thin many a times. <laughs> yeah. And having like, if you have a team to support it, awesome. But not all of us are Beyonce who have like, you know, a team of, I don't know how many people work for her, but you know, we see Beyonce doing all these things, but it's like, All right. Like, do you have the capacity to have a team to run all that stuff for you? That's just being realistic, right? In the season that you're in. And it's okay to put things on hold. Yeah, I know. I love that saying. If we all have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce, it's like, how many assistants does she have? (laughs) It's actually a discouraging quote if you really think about it. Yeah, it is. It's not realistic. But there are, I mean, I always try to encourage people to find things that do work for them, whether it's like you get a virtual assistant for $5 an hour, if you can afford that, or you use apps or things like that. Because like you said at the beginning, we take on so much as entrepreneurs and it makes it so hard to scale because we think we have to do everything. We don't want to delegate. We feel bad or we feel like it's not going to get done right. We just end up doing it all. And it becomes so overwhelming. The way that we actually grow and get to the next level is by delegating. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned over the years is not only can people do things as good as I can by delegating, but quite often they can do it a lot better. <laughs> They're a lot less scattered. Yes. You know, like leaving yes. to my assistant who's incredible and letting her just handle things and her take charge. And, you know, it's funny because when you find somebody that's such a good fit, it is such a game changer when you've got that trust with them and they can just take it off your plate. But also too, like, Making sure that when you're building your business or whatever you're doing, you're not building it centered around you. When I built my first business, it required me 
to run. I was the business. But ideally, you want to be able to take yourself out of it so that if you are looking to focus on something else down the road, if you know two years from now, you want to focus on writing that book, it doesn't need Danielle in Business Babes to function, that it can still go forward and grow in all of those things without you. I think that's yeah, and that's where like bringing on, like you said, bringing on team members or even collaborators because you never know where those relationships can lead. Because you know, even like right now, we are collaborating with an amazing events company for some of our events because I don't have as much capacity right now for hosting in-person events. Now that they're we're bringing them back, collaborating with them, and it's been so game changing. And it's so cool because like the last event that we did, they pretty much took everything on and I showed up and I was like texting them, just like making sure. And they're like, just enjoy, just enjoy the event, Danielle. Like everything's taken care of. You're good. Like you're fine. And I'm like, but because I'm so used to just being in like all the details, but that's just been huge for us. Like, you know, having those people that you can either collaborate with, or like you said, have like someone part-time that helps you so that you can actually step into like, a CEO role, right? And understand what, where is the business going and how can you drive the business forward? But then the day-to-day things, yeah, be outsourcing and all of that. And so, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And for me, it's like finding and connecting with people that you just really click with and that you work well with is, like you said, it's game changing. And sometimes it takes a while to get there. So don't give up if you're like, oh, I haven't had the best success with either hiring or contracting yet, but don't give up because I know that perfect person and team is out there for you. That's one of the hardest things is finding good team members, people that are like-minded, believe in your vision, want to make the same impact and care about things like you care about things. Yeah, totally. And it is a big, big part of the success of the company or whatever it is that you're building is having those Team members, and you've been really incredible at that. I mean, Lauren on your team, incredible. Such a wonderful person and so dedicated to the company and, you know, getting to know her. She was such a sweetheart. Well, our chapter leaders are awesome. And like, I think it's cool because like we talked about in the beginning, but like collaboration is just so, I don't know, it's just ingrained in like who I am. And I love connecting, collaborating with other people. Our chapter leaders are like their own, like owners of their city, you know? And so it's like empowering them to just be like doing whatever they see fit for their city, I think is huge. Obviously right now with COVID, like everything was put on pause. So we're kind of slowly bringing back chapters and things like that. But I think it's, yeah, finding people, like you said, who have that passion. And for me, it's like, I need people who not only have that passion and have that drive, but also care about people as much as I do. And that's the biggest thing because in order to build a community, you really do need to care about others and you need to really put others first in some ways. And obviously as a business owner, you need to make sure that the business is successful and profitable. But I think when you do put people first, that's sometimes a natural byproduct because you are bringing value to your ideal customer and your partners and your sponsors and all of that. And yeah, Lauren is amazing. Alicia and Rachel and San Diego are amazing. All of the people that have kind of come on board to support us. And I have to do a shout out to Hannah, who's like my right-hand girl who does all the all the things behind the scenes. And yeah, I end up like really building friendships and relationships with my team and they become friends because it's just like, we're doing this together. And it's- You it's find that that makes things difficult? It does in some ways, for sure. Absolutely. I don't, don't know that I know how not to. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So that's like one thing for me is that I think the boundaries thing has helped though, 
like I talked about before, I used to have no boundaries. And so building in those boundaries have been game changing for me just with running a business Mm -hmm. and having boundaries on my personal time. And then, yeah, I think that when you work with other people, if you feel like someone has pushed your boundaries or taken advantage of you, that means that you haven't maybe properly set that boundary in the first place. Yes. And so that's what I had to realize for myself. So I know that that is all on me. (laughs) If I feel like someone's pushing my boundaries, I'm like, well, maybe I didn't set that boundary properly in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I have been learning. I love that you take accountability for that because I know early on, I made so many bad hires and I was just made so many mistakes, but a lot of it was on me not knowing how to be a good leader and not knowing how to set those boundaries and things like that. And didn't want to accept that I was the common denominator of why there was so much employee turnover and things like that. But that's how we grow and that's how we move forward. So I love that you're open about that. And then once we we can accept those, we can make changes and everybody's happier. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I still struggle with this, with this, as far as like trying to be a people pleaser. But I think I've realized that If I actually set boundaries for myself and I respect my own boundaries, and then that actually encourages other people to set boundaries too. So it actually helps everyone. I think sometimes when we really like are honest with people, um, one thing actually that I don't know who said this originally, but the quote is that clarity is kind. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful because often we try to sort of not be clear with our expectations or with our expectations of people because we think we're being just casual or, you know, we don't want to tell people what we really want. But that quote of like clarity is actually kind has been super impactful for me because I've realized actually, if you're clear on your expectations, that helps everyone rather than feeling like something didn't go well because you weren't clear on what you actually wanted. I love that. Clear is kind, clarity is kind. I'm just looking up. Brene Brown said, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Brene Brown, there we go. <laughs> it must have been her. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's true. We have to give that clarity. We have to be open and honest. So we grow. That's how we become good leaders and foster that great culture. All right. Well, Danielle, this was such a great chat. I could talk with you forever. Thank you so much, Emily. This was super fun. And likewise, I could talk to you forever too. (laughs) Where can people find all the good stuff? Where can they follow you, connect with you, check out Business Babes? Yeah. So the best place to do that right now is actually through our podcast. So you can search our podcast. It's just Business Babes Collective on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then, yeah, on our website, it's just businesswavescollective.com. And then my personal Instagram is Danny Living Life. If you want to see kind of behind the scenes of being a mom and a business owner and just figuring it all out. And then our business account is Business Babes Co. So that's all the places. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to link everything below. So make sure that you click, go on, check out their podcast, subscribe, leave them a five-star review, let them know you came on over from here and give her all the love on social media. But thanks so much again for being here today. We're going to have to have you back. Oh, thanks so much, Emily. And thank you for the community that you're building too. I love your podcast. I think it's so interesting. You bring on really great guests. So I'm honored to be here and just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you.